It is good to be in the house of the Lord on this Father's Day. Welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ryan West. I'm the congregational care pastor here at Church of the Savior. (laughs) And uh, this is a special day for me because I get to preach on my first Father's Day. My, thank you, my... Lovely wife Sarah is with child and I love her so much for making me a husband and soon to make me a daddy. Um, I, I, don't have, um, I don't have a Father's Day message today, but as I was, I was thinking and praying yesterday and even early this morning, how thankful I am for my father And how thankful I am also for the other godly men that have been a part of my life, that have poured into my life, come along beside me, put godly, shown me godly precepts. They have been the example of what a Christ-like servant leader should be. And I did not know that in in the little video that they were actually going to quote Deuteronomy, but this is, this is my little sermon before the actual sermon. This is, this is the first act. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is your mini Father's Day message, and this is for mothers. This is, this is for everybody. You want to be a better husband? You want to be a better father? You want to be a better mother? You want to be a better wife? Listen to these words. This is Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. That's that's the first thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the commandments that he's given us have to be on our hearts. That's a requirement. You want to be a better father? You want to be a better mother, husband, wife? That's the first requirement. And then impress them on your children. Talk to them about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So here's the Father's Day message. You want to be a better father? How much do you love the Lord? The more I love the Lord, the better husband I am. The more I love the Lord, the better father I'm going to be. So I would like to pray a blessing over all the men, all the men, because how many people know how important it is to have a godly man figure in your life. It's so important. It is so important. So I want to pray a blessing, a short blessing over the men in this congregation today. Everyone bow your heads. Lord, I thank you so much for the godly men of character, the husbands, the wives, the husbands-to-be, the wonderful women that are next to them. Lord, I pray a special blessing over them. Anoint them. Give them wisdom and strength to lead the way that you want them to lead. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Turn in your Bibles to Romans 15, if you will. Romans 15. Now, when I look out on this congregation this morning, I think that I feel, probably feel, the way that this man felt the first time that he saw lightning. Benjamin Franklin said, if I could harness that power, I could change the world. I could change the course of history. We hear it all the time. Jesus had 12. Turn the world upside down. We have 800, 1,000 people that come through these church doors on any given Sunday. We have the power to change the world in this room. We have the power to change the trajectory of history right in this room. But there's a problem with the church. There's a problem with Christianity, I think. And here's the problem. We think that we've somehow done God a favor by coming to a church service. We think we've done what God requires. We fulfilled the duties. We fulfilled the obligations by coming and sitting in a worship service. So here's what happens. We come, we sit, we soak, we stagnate, and then we eventually sour. Sit, soak, stagnate, sour. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming in, sitting and soaking in the presence of the Lord. We need that. We need to be refueled. We need to be recharged. But it's not sit, soak, stagnate, sour. It's sit, soak, and serve. The title of my message this morning is Saved to serve. If you are saved, you are saved to serve. Now, every single one of us, did you all know this? Every single one of you has been called into the ministry. Now, that may not be vocational ministry, but every single one of us have called to be ministers. Now, we're not going to go through the entire book of Romans. We don't have time for that. We're going to pull out highlights from the chapter. But before we dive into the text, I want you to see something. I did not realize this. The word servant and minister in the Greek is diakonos, and it means the exact same thing. So if you see servant, you see minister in the text, it's the same word. It's the exact same word. So listen to a few of these scriptures as I read them off. Verse 8 in Romans 15, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant or minister of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made by the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, I've written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a servant or minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Verse 25, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service or ministry, same word, of the saints there. Verses 30 through 31, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service or ministry in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there. It's pretty easy to see the through line, right? What's the theme? It's service, it's ministry, it's service, it's ministry, because it's the same thing. Now here at Church of the Savior, we have a mission statement. The mission statement is why we exist. And here it is. We are pursuing God's presence as we engage and connect people to Jesus, then equip and send them to serve, or you could put, or minister to others as we fulfill the Great Commission. So one of the main reasons that we exist is to equip and send you to serve or minister to others. It's one of the reasons we exist. Did you know there's no such thing as an inactive church member? There's no such thing as an inactive church member. That's an impossibility. Because you are either building up or you are tearing down. You are either on the team and helping or you're on the team and hurting. Matthew 12, 30, Jesus' words. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Every single one of us, we're either gathering or we're scattering. Every single one of us, we're either working for Jesus or we're working against him. So this message this morning, this is not a to whom it may concern letter. This message is addressed to you. It is addressed to me. Every single one of our names are written on the envelope. Every single one of us. Now this morning, we're going to go through four areas of service or ministry that we are all called to. And I want to say this up front. None of us do this perfectly. None of us do. But I think we can be better. I think we can get better. And as we go through these four areas, I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I willing? Lord, am I willing to let you minister through me? Pastor Steve said this from the pulpit last week. Saying you want something, saying you're willing to do something is different from actually going out there and doing it. So if your answer to am I willing is yes, then the next question is, what are you going to do about it? So four areas that we're all called, four areas of service and ministry. Number one is we are all called to the service, the ministry of encouragement. Go to verse 1 in Romans 15. We're going to go through verse 7. This is the NIV. We who are strong ought to bear with the failing of the weak and not to please ourselves. I would underline that. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance 
and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, this is verse 5. Underline it. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ so that with one heart, with one mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the key is verse 5. Some versions will say, may the God who gives patience and consolation. We don't use that word consolation much anymore. It simply means encouragement. He's saying we need to encourage one another. We need to help one another. We need to come alongside one another, lift one another up, because we make each other better. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Two are better than one. Because they have good return for their labor. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can resist. Moreover, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Now jump back to verse number 1. According to verse number 1, if we're strong Christians, we are to help the weak. Now look at that cute little girl. Doesn't she just look so pleased with herself? We're not here to please ourselves. According to verse 1, we're not here to please ourselves. The church doesn't exist to make you happy. Because ultimately... It's not about us. It's about others and it's about Christ. It's about 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. You know, I used to care a whole lot about number one. What was going to get Ryan into the best acting program? What was going to get Ryan on Broadway, get him a Tony Award? What was going to get him an agent, get him into the movies, make him the most money? I don't care about that stuff anymore. Because it's not about me. It's about others. And it's about Christ. It's about the next generations. Anybody know who that guy is? That's William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. Done so much good over the years. There's a story about William Booth. The Salvation Army was having a convention. And they asked William Booth, would you come speak? Well, William Booth was on his, he was on his deathbed. He was, he was sick, he was feeble, he couldn't do it. So they said, well, would you just send us a telegraph? Send us a, send us a telegraph. He said, okay, I'll do that. I don't know if it was quite the response that they were looking for. Anybody know what happened to be written on that telegraph? A one-word response. And it simply stated, others. It's about others. We are not here to please ourselves. Look to your neighbor for his good to build him up. Now go back to verse 5 because I think this is the key. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of what? Unity. When we look to others before we look to ourselves, it brings unity to the body of Christ. The Lord delights in unity 
the enemy hates it. Steve has a vision of a hundred churches praying together that the Spirit of the Lord would be poured out on our city, our state, our nation, our world. He said it last week. Is a group of 13 people praying together, is that a good thing? Yeah. Or are a hundred groups of 13 people praying? That's better. And we're better when we're together. You ever heard this saying? The devil would rather start a church fuss than sell a barrel of whiskey. He would. He'd rather start a church fuss than sell a barrel of whiskey. He'd rather have us picking at one another, bickering at one another, at each other's throats than a bunch of drunkards. Any C.S. Lewis fans in the house? Love C.S. Lewis. A lot of his stuff, (laughs) frankly, it goes over my head. I don't understand a lot of it. But he wrote a book about how the devil works, and it's called The Screwtape Letters. Anybody read it? Great book. Not that hard. That one I can understand. Now, Screwtape is the name of the, the senior demon, the senior tempter, and he's writing letters. He's writing correspondence back and forth with his nephew, Wormwood, who's a junior demon, a junior tempter, and Wormwood is assigned the patient who is a man who's given his life to Christ. Well, in one of these letters back and forth, they're talking about how can they sabotage the work of God? And they get to talking about the church. And Screwtape says to Wormwood, quote, Wormwood, the church is a fertile field if you just keep them bickering over details, structure, organization, money, property, personal hurts, and misunderstandings. One thing you must prevent, don't ever let them look up to see the banners flying. For if they ever see the banners flying, you've lost them forever. So what he's saying is keep them at one another. Keep them worrying about this. Keep them arguing about that. Keep their eyes down. Don't ever let them look up and see the glory of God. Because if they see the glory of God, you've lost them forever. We need to get our eyes on the glory of God. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. Come alongside one another. Instead of fussing, fighting. How about we pray with one another? We praise with one another. We protect one another. In 1917, the bishops in the Orthodox Church in Russia, they were having a convocation. They were having a heated debate. They were having an argument. The bishops and the leaders were going back and forth, back and forth. Well, just a few doors down in 1917, the Bolsheviks were meeting. They were planning to overthrow the Tsar. They were plotting a revolution. They were planning the thing called communism that has hurt and maimed and killed so many people. They were planning a diabolical scheme. While the bishops and the leaders down the road going back and forth, do you know what they were arguing about? Whether or not to use 18-inch or 22-inch candles. Arguing over 
candles when a nation was crumbling. You know, I think some people think that fuss, fight, arguing, criticism, I think some people think that's their spiritual gift. It's not. You want to be a minister of encouragement? Look up and see the banners flying. Get your eyes on Jesus. Are you willing? Are you willing to be a minister of encouragement? Number two, and I think this is the most important point. Every single one of us is called to the service or the ministry of evangelism. We're going to look at two verses, verse 8 first and then verse 16. Verse 8, Paul writes, For I tell you the truth that Christ has become a servant or minister of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus came so that a Jewish nation would come to a saving faith in the Christ Jesus. That's why he came. But not for the Jews alone, but that through them all the nations of the world would be blessed. The Jewish people are still the apple of his eye. He's not done with them. And we need to pray for Israel. Amen. We have Jewish Messiah. We have Jewish scriptures. It all came from the Jews. We owe them for this. Now remember we're talking about evangelism. Jesus came as an evangelist to seek and save that which was lost. Paul writes in verse 16, I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God. Paul is saying Jesus came as an evangelist. Now by the grace of God, he's given me the ministry of evangelism. Paul, probably the greatest evangelist that ever lived. Jesus came to set the example of evangelism. And we are to be that example. We're to be the ministers of the gospel here on this earth for the short amount of time that we have. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been called, saved to serve, and saved to win souls for Christ Jesus. Now listen to me. I don't want to hurt any feelings. Maybe only step on two or three toes here. But in all seriousness, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't care about your church attendance. I don't care about how much you tithe. I don't care on how many mission trips you've gone on. I don't care how many Bible studies you attend or teach. If you are not striving, if you are not looking for opportunities, if you are not praying, Lord, make divine appointments for me so I can bring someone to Jesus, are you right with God? 
All of us are called to the ministry of evangelism. All of us are called to bring people bound in the golden chains of the gospel and place them at the feet of Jesus. Don't boast about your salvation. Don't boast about your piety. Don't boast about how spiritual you are or what gifts you have if you're not striving to bring people closer to Jesus Christ. Do you think that his business should be our business? We need to make his business our business. And the business of the Son of God was to seek and save that which was lost. I shared this a couple months ago now, probably at the end of a service. But in the business world, there's a term called a headhunter. And a headhunter is uh, someone who's looking for a high-level executive, a a CEO, a CFO. It's a professional hired to find a professional. And there's a story of one of these headhunters, and he says, well, this is what I do to find out if that person really has what it takes for this this high-level job. He says, I go into their office, we talk business for a while, and then I just start small talk. Talk about the weather, talk about travel, their family, tell some jokes, loosen up my tie, unbutton my jacket, put my feet up on the coffee table, get their defenses down, get their guard down. And he says, as soon as I got their guard down, boom, I hit them with this question. Why do you exist? What's the motivating purpose of your life? And he said, a lot of time, these big wig executives just they they have no idea what to say they're caught off guard but he said there was one time there was this one man i got him where i wanted it the shields were down and i said buddy why do you exist what's the driving motivation of your life and he said this guy didn't skip a beat he didn't bat an eye he said you want to know why i exist i exist to get to heaven and to take as many people there with me as i can That should be the motivating purpose of all of our lives. Get to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. If you can't win an adult, win a child. If you can't win your neighbor, go to somebody else's neighborhood. If you can't win somebody in your class, go to the next class. We're all called to the service, to the ministry of evangelism. Are you willing? Are you willing to be a minister of evangelism? Number three, we are all called to the ministry of giving. Verses 25 through 27. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service or ministry of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. I would circle this next part. And indeed, they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings. They owe it, there it is again, to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So the Gentiles have taken up a love offering for the Jews in Jerusalem. Paul says they didn't mind doing it. They were happy to do it because they owed them. Because we read earlier, salvation is from the Jews. They'd received an incredible spiritual blessing from the Jews. And they were saying, well, if they've helped us out so much, we should do the same in kind. We should do the same in return and help them. 
In fact, we owe it to them. Now, there are different kinds of offerings. There's different kinds of needs. But service to God is giving. It is a ministry. So when you give of your tithe, when you give of your offering, it is ministry unto the Lord. Now, listen to this. It is not a mere contribution. It actually represents a spiritual debt. Paul says we give because we are debtors. And did you know, every single one of us, we're all in debt. Every single one of us is in debt. Now, I'm not talking about how much you owe on your credit card. I'm not talking about student loans, car payments, what you owe on your house. I'm not talking about that kind of debt. This church that you come to on a Sunday morning, the technology that's used, the classrooms that are used, the printers that print off the bulletins and the outlines, where'd that stuff come from? It didn't just float down from heaven. The blood, sweat, tears, prayers, faith, and sacrifice of people have provided these things. We're debtors. We're debtors to the founders of the church. We're debtors to the apostles who suffered. We're debtors to the martyrs of the faith. And we are debtors to the Lord Jesus Christ who shed his blood for us. We have been so spiritually blessed. And yet it pains so many people to give just a little bit away of what they can't keep anyway. You know, there's a story of Farmer Davis. Farmer Davis lived in Kansas. He was a very frugal man. Uh, when Farmer Davis married, his in-laws thought that their daughter was marrying below her station. But because of Farmer Davis being as frugal as he was, over a period of time, he amassed a small fortune. And people would ask Farmer Davis all the time, Farmer Davis, what are you going to do with that money? Why don't you... Build a community center, build a park, build a community pool. And his answer would be, this community's never done anything for me. I'm not going to do anything for this community. And as far as my in-laws are concerned, <laughs> they're never going to see a penny of this money. Well, eventually, Farmer Davis's wife died. He had his wife buried, had a beautiful, huge headstone put at her grave. And he had this monument built, beautiful, big monument, a sculpted love bench. And on one side of the love bench, he was sculpted. And on the other side of the love bench, she was sculpted. So they'd always be sitting next to each other on this love bench. And he loved it so much that he commissioned this same sculptor. I want you to build another monument. And I want this one, I want it to be this Big sculpture of me, and I'm going to be kneeling at my wife's grave. And he loved that one so much. He said, I'm willing to spend anything on this next one, anything at all. He said, I'm going to be buried next to my wife, so I want a, a, sculpt, a sculpture, a monument of her standing over my grave, but she's in heaven now, so I want big, beautiful angel wings sculpted on her. Spent a fortune on it. Well, Farmer Davis, 
spent all his money, died penniless and alone in the poorhouse. When he had his funeral, not many people came. The sculptor came, but not many other people. And you know what the sad thing is? He was buried next to his wife, next to those monuments, but now those monuments are starting to sink down into the ground. And eventually nobody's even going to know that they existed. Now here's the moral of the story. Every single one of us is going to leave behind some kind of monument. What kind of monuments are you investing in? Are you investing in monuments that are going to sink down into the ground? That rust is going to get to? That moth is going to eat away? Are you investing in monuments that are eternal and will last forever? You know, people say, well, you can't take your money to heaven with you when you go. I disagree. I think you can take your money to heaven with you when you go. If you invested in something that's going to heaven, and the only thing that I know that's going to heaven are the souls of men and women. What kind of monument are you investing in? Listen to this. The only thing that you will ever hold in your cold, dead hand is what you've given away. The only thing you'll ever hold is what you've given away. Are you willing? Are you willing to be a minister of giving? Lastly, every single one of us is called to the service, to the ministry of prayer, and I believe I believe prayer is the greatest spiritual discipline of the believer. You know, the Lord's really been dealing with me about this word discipline lately. Discipline from the Lord can be a good thing. It can be a good thing. Starting in verse 30, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbeliever in Judea and that my service or ministry in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there. Paul's saying, I'm getting ready to go minister. I'm getting ready to go serve, but I have enemies. I need protection. Pray that I'm delivered. Pray that I'm received. Would you pray for me? Prayer is a ministry. And listen to this. Prayer's not getting ready for service. It is service. Prayer is service. We can always pray. I love this quote by S.D. Gordon. We can do more than pray after we've prayed. But we really can't do much more than pray until we have prayed. I heard somebody say one time something to this effect. I have so much to do during the day that I can't afford not to pray. We can do more than pray after we've prayed, but we really can't do much more than pray until we've prayed. Now the Lord said, my house is not to be a house of worship, even though it's a very important thing. He said, my house isn't to be a house of Bible study, Bible teaching, even though that's an important thing. It's not to be a house of missions. 
Even though missions, we value it here at Church of the Savior. It's an important thing. What did he say? My house will be a house of prayer. There's a quote by Jim Simbla in your program there that says, Preaching, music, the reading of the word, these things are fine. But they must never override prayer as the defining mark of God's dwelling. Worship team, you can come on out. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us one thing. Teach us one thing. It wasn't to turn water into wine. It wasn't to walk on water, cast out demons, heal the sick. Teach us to pray. Oh, God, make me a minister of prayer. Make me disciplined in that. Because I think they realized that's where the power came from. Jim Simbla also says this, you want more power in your life? Put more prayer in your life. A lot of prayer equals a lot of power. A little bit of prayer equals a little bit of power. If Jesus, if the Son of God would steal away early in the morning, late at night, to go spend time with his Father, how much more do we need to run to the Father? You know, my message today has really been for the believer. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. But all of this, it starts at salvation. So maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Ryan, I don't think I really know this Jesus, this Christ, this Savior that you're talking about. Maybe you would identify as I I feel like I'm a lost sheep. You know, the book of Isaiah says all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us have gone our own way. Because you see, every single, every single one of us were born with a disease. It's a heart disease, and it's a disease called sin. And it separates us from the Father. But in that same verse in Isaiah that says, All like sheep have gone astray, it says, He took our sins, our iniquities, and placed them on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that for all, any who would believe in Him, Call upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. Confess your sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So with every head bow, every eye closed, if you would say, Pastor Ryan, today, I need this Savior, Jesus. I'm a lost sheep. Would you raise your hand if that's you this morning? Boldly lift your hand up. Thank you. We're going to open up this altar as we worship. If if you made that decision, if you raised your hand, there'll be people up here that would love to talk to you, help you take some next steps in that decision. 
Would you be bold and come talk to somebody about it today? Now, maybe you're here. Maybe you've been following Jesus for 40 years. Maybe it's only been four weeks. But you would say, I'm not doing so well in some of these areas. But I'm willing. I'm willing, Lord, to let you minister through me. This altar is going to be open. Come up. Do business with the Lord. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I guarantee you, he'll let you know. This altar is open. Let's worship. Would you all stand as you're able? Please please feel free in this last little bit to come up and receive prayer. Um, We would love to agree with you in prayer. And feel free to come to the altar as well if you would like to worship up here.
could just end this service with a prayer because he's been so faithful to me I want to live my life surrendered to him and be faithful to him in return and I sang this song growing up some of you may know it Um, so if you don't I pray that you can still make this your prayer this morning make me a can serve and build your church. Lord, and in our everyday lives, see those around us touched and changed, that we would become more and more aware of your presence, and that we would be a servant like you were, Lord, that we would wash feet and love others well. In Jesus' name, there um, are a couple of um, words that the team felt like we were getting in prayer that we wanted to share. Um, and if you want to come up and receive prayer that, that it, you feel like this is you, then we would um, be honored to pray with you. Um, let me just pull these up. 
If you have a rotator cuff injury, we would love to pray for you. If you've been struggling with anemia, um, we were feeling like there was someone in here praying for their husband this morning, and we'd like to agree with you in, in that prayer. Um, um, a healing of a skin condition on someone's back, we'd love to agree with you. Um, someone who's having acute allergic reactions and having trouble with their breathing. So I feel like um, the Lord is also pouring out um, just a spirit of prayer to be more disciplined in prayer. And if you would feel like that's you, we'd love to pray with you. Um, That people, someone is having um, blurred vision, we would like to pray for you as well. So these were some of the things that we um, were receiving. Um, Also breast cancer. So if, if any of these are you, we would love and be honored to pray with you this morning. The altar team will be up here willing to pray with you. If you just need prayer, something that wasn't mentioned, please come up. Don't leave before doing business with the Lord. Are you willing? Are you willing? And if you are, what are you going to do about it? Lord, I thank you for your servants. Lord, empower us to serve you well in the coming week, this summer, and years to come. Lord, help us remember it's not about us. It's about others and the kingdom 10, 20, 30 years from now. Lord, I pray a blessing over all the men again. Thank you that you are a good, good father. Thank you that you love us so much. Lord, empower your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Are dismissed. Make sure you pick up your children. Happy Father's Day. People will be up here to pray with you. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.